we're back after a little hiatus. Give me the money podcast. The boys are back after a little vacay down in Tampa visiting this schmohawk. We're back with Tampa. Yes, sir. March Madness starts tomorrow. Very excited. Very excited. It's March, baby. Let's run this shit. Yeah, can't ask for any better time of the year. Recording right now, St. Patty's Day. Uh, I mean, yeah, let, bro, let's just get right into it. So we got we got the playing game starting tomorrow. First four, mm-hmm. big matchup. Uh, the one I'm most looking forward to is uh, Michigan State-UCLA because two teams usually in the tournament, two storied programs in all of college basketball. Not norm- You wouldn't normally think either of them would be a playing game, especially with Michigan State rallying off a bunch of wins to end the season, including over – uh, in-state rival Michigan. Exactly. But that's just going to be a hell of a game, uh, playing game. And just a little a little stat for you guys. So Michigan State is 7-0 and this season in games where Rocket Watts scores in double figures, 8-12 eight, eight and 12 record-wise overall when he does not. And speaking of that game against Michigan, he had 21 points, 4 assists, and 4 boards in that win against Michigan March uh, March 7th rather uh, just a couple other preview things so Michigan got its first one seed since the Fab Five with yeah, big, and their coach big. Juwan Howard was on the team mm-hmm. Illinois got its first one seed since 05 team that went to the, to the national championship game with Darren Williams and a couple other NBA and pro prospects on that squad and just a little a couple things to talk about just overall NCAA wise so we've talked about it several times so far this uh, during this college basketball season that Oklahoma State initially had a postseason ban, appealed that. And the reason I think the NCAA didn't respond or really look into it, they wanted Oklahoma State in the tournament, let them play their way in and to where they're four or are they four or five seed? Oklahoma State, four yeah. seed. Yeah. Four seed. Yeah, but I think so. Resume wise, they deserve to make it. They were top 20 teams in the country, end of the season, had a decent run in the Big 12 tournament. And the real reason is the money. Number one NBA prospect, Cade Cunningham, on the roster. Exactly. They want Cade in the lineup. They want him showing on in the tournament and being there, exactly what you said, for the money reasons. And you want the number one overall prospect in the tournament to get more views. Simple as that. There's no reason why they they were going to lose the appeal, especially after the season that they had. So just a couple of things I want to cover before we like start looking at uh, matchups and get into our picks to make runs in the tournament. I'm selling very low on ACC teams other than Florida state and the big East as a whole. So I know I talked a bit about how UConn can make a run. I don't, I think they have they're in a pretty pretty hard region, so it'll be tough for them to make a run. Creighton down bad end of the season. They're terrible when Zagorowski plays poorly. They like you could see it in their lost Georgetown in the Big East tournament. For and end of the first half, the score had Georgetown thirty six, Creighton uh, eighteen. Not good. Villanova lost Gillespie. He's done for the season. Their point guard. Uh, power team and like if you watch a lot of Villanova games during the regular season in the playoffs they 
they struggle with when Gillespie was on the bench. Without him, I think their offense is toast. That's why yeah. in like our big money bracket, I have uh, I have Villanova losing to Winthrop, have Creighton losing to uh, UC Santa Barbara. I got and, Creighton moving on, and I got Villanova moving on. Yeah, but also just a little little gambling tidbit. So, uh, twelve seeds in the first round are the most most profitable seed uh, no, numbered seeds against the spread. They're plus seven units over the last I think some uh, some number of years. But they, I think it's twelve seeds are plus six point nine units followed by 11 seeds or plus six point something units. And then, then there, I think it's fives or plus one point one and change and the rest are minus units. So good place against the spread, especially with Villanova sputtering offense. So even if Villanova makes it out, probably not going to win by that much. Yeah. And also, so like the just want to talk, speak on the Villanova matchup a little bit. So they're playing Winthrop, won their conference auto bid. That's fine. But like, if you look at look at the numbers, Winthrop ranks 49th nationally in possessions per game. That screams high, high tempo offense, a lot of possessions. So even if they don't shoot a great percentage, they're still going to put up some points because they they're able to get up a lot more shots. Villanova with Gillespie, they were st- they were a lower, not a high scoring team. So it depends on who controls the tempo of the game. Winthrop speeds it up, gets out running. Villanova is going to be in trouble because they're not great shooting team with Gillespie without even worse. And and then UCSB, I like them against Creighton, but that'll be, it'll be a decent game to bet the over depending on what the numbers, uh, what the lines are. Because UCSB averages seventy points per game, and you saw again in in Creighton's loss against Georgetown. Georgetown not a, a not a truly great defensive team, but they put up around like fifty points. But yeah. Let's get let's get into uh, picking some like get into some of the other matchups here. So. Who do you think has the the easiest road, like easiest road as a one seed to make the final four? Gonzaga. Yeah, I I'm with you on that hundred percent. I think Gonzaga and Illinois have Illinois also is the easiest two runs that they're gonna go through to go. Yeah, let's let's just And I don't have Illinois in my final four. I've been losing to Gonzaga in the in the natty. Huh. I got them losing to Oklahoma State in Elite Eight. That's going to be a great game. But uh, Michigan has the hardest draw by far. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I going through and losing to Florida State in uh, Sweet 16. Yeah, I mean, like you look at it, LSU is the eight seed, high octane offense. Michigan, they're going to be without their best player in Livers. I got St. Bonaventure beating LSU in the first round. Yeah, I mean, if LSU goes cold, I think that's the only way they lose. But they're uh, they put up like eighty five points per game. Uh, mm. Bonaventure can't can put that up that much. Colorado, they're a good squad. I don't. I'm not buying Georgetown at all. Even I though they're Georgetown won in the first round. Yeah, but like dude, they, they had two. They had two buys in the. Uh, 
Oh no, that never mind, never mind. That was Georgia Tech. But like even so, they played in the Big East tournament. I'm not putting too much stock into that. Uh Texas, they'll make it out of the first round, but I don't see Texas doing much. Alabama. But like Texas still still will be a tough matchup for Michigan. Alabama. They got is, Alabama going to Elite Eight. Yeah, they're good. I losing to Florida State. I have I have it switched. I have Alabama beating Florida State, but that'll be a great game. Mm-hmm. I got Alabama, Texas in the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, so hang on, let me let me slide to my Sweet Sixteen real quick because that's where we get into the real meat of it. So I got Gonzaga coming out of the Western Region, uh, beating Virginia, then beating Iowa in the Elite Eight. Uh, Oh, I've, yeah, I have Michigan losing to Florida State in the Sweet 16, playing Alabama in the Elite Eight. Alabama right. beating That's Texas. Right. Then in the South, Baylor beating Purdue. Texas Tech beating Ohio State in the South. And then in the Midwest, Sweet 16, Illinois beating Oklahoma State. But honestly, I think that could go either way. And then right. West Virginia beating Houston. Honestly, I'm switching my. I just switched mine right now. I think Houston's beating West Virginia. I got so I got in the Midwest. I got in my Sweet Sixteen. I got Syracuse versus Houston, and then Illinois, Oklahoma State. Then the East, Michigan versus Florida State, and then Texas versus Alabama, and then I got Bama versus Florida State and Oklahoma State versus Houston in that one. And then in the West, Sweet 16-wise, I got Gonzaga versus Creighton. And then Kansas versus Grand Canyon. In the, in the Sweet 16, Grand Canyon? Uh, hold on. Yeah. You're tripping. They're a good program, not that good of a program. I got underdogs this year, bro. I'm riding underdogs heavy this year. It's a fucking weird year. I'm riding on the dogs extremely heavy. It's a weird year, but like you just look at it statistically, you have it's mostly higher top four seeds that make it deep. And like those seeds, barring other than like Loyola Chicago in 2018, like the lowest seeds that make runs are like seven and eight. And those being Cinderella's like UConn uh, in 2013, those two Butler teams, they were like six and nine seeds or something like that. Have what an FGCU mean? type of year. What? They're gonna go like FGCU. I feel like. Well, whatever. And then in the South, I got Baylor, Purdue, and Texas Tech, Ohio State. Yeah. And then final four, I got Gonzaga, Kansas, Baylor, Texas Tech. And then in the final four, I got Gonzaga playing Florida State, Baylor playing Oklahoma State. And in the chip, I got Gonzaga, Oklahoma State, and Gonzaga winning the chip. Yeah, we both got Gonzaga winning. I have Gonzaga beating Illinois. Illinois beating Baylor in the final four. Gonzaga beating Alabama in the final four in the East-West matchup. So we our final four is we got three out of the four. Yep. Yeah, and, and, and like, either way, like, I, I'm flip-flopping. Like, I picked in uh, – my way too early uh, March mat final four picks. I had uh, Florida State in the final four, but I'm just I'm buying Alabama more than Florida State at this moment, just because 
Florida State, even though they lost, they made it to the ACC chip, but they've been sputtering a bit lately. Their defense is what's going to carry them deep. So if they lock down, they'll have Scotty, ba- Scotty Barnes pick it up 94 feet, have uh, – and if they cause a lot of turnovers, converting that to easy buckets, running the floor on fast breaks, that'll be a problem. And same with Alabama. They're – Alabama shoot, as I said, in the mid-40s, about like 45% or so of their field goal attempts are three-pointers. But also, even if in games when they've shot poorly from three, their defense has picked it up and allowed them to win close games when they've had pretty much bad games overall offensively. Yeah. So you got like – and all these teams, they're great offenses, good defenses – and I, I'd say, like, the biggest reason why I have Gonzaga winning it all. So even though, stati- like, in, in recent years, most teams that win the national championship haven't won their conference tournament. But I see the differentiating factor in Gonzaga being that their backcourt is very strong. They have one of the best uh, guard athletes in the country. Jalen Suggs going to be a top five lottery pick in the draft. He's a true freshman have the transfer and Andrew Nemhard, two-year starter at University of Florida, former five-star recruit. So just the, them two uh, running the show, Kispert averaging under 20 a game, Timmy 18 a game, Watson down low playing defense. They have the big man, uh, Bio, big seven-footer, looks like a chunkier Kofi Coburn. Uh, overall, like defensively, like you need strong guard, guard run teams. Gonzaga has that. And Nemhard and Suggs, good defenders in the backcourt, and two guys who could, uh, who run a team well and shoot the three ball well. You have Kispert coming off. He's a good defender at 6'7". Even though Timmy's a little bit of a, a little bit of a white elephant in the post, he's not a good defender, but he's still going to bang low and give you buckets on the offensive end. Boy. Definitely. Definitely. I can't wait for it to start tomorrow. What time's the first game tomorrow? Um I don't know. Let me check that out. I mean it's we got all four of the playing games coming tomorrow. Um I don't know what. Just looked at the ESPN app and it's not like for the for the schedule. It's given the NIT games, so I don't get that. Uh, but whatever, it'll be. Um, I don't know. We'll we'll have like there'll be some good games. I I'm not like so on. We're since we're to, on the topic of first four games, NCAA's got to switch it up because every year we have, so it's. To, nor, it's pretty much always since they uh, expanded the the field to sixty eight teams, it's been two 16, 16 for sixteen matchups and two 11 11s. I think they have to do away with the sixteen for sixteen matchups because you end up with four teams that got auto bids to the tournament. So they're they're they won their conference. They're deserving to get there. I think it, it would be a lot more entertaining. So I personally love the Michigan State UCLA matchup and Drake Wichita State the other eleven eleven matchup will be still 
still a great game, but I think the playing games have to go to bubble like bubble teams, not auto bids. Because then, like, think about it this way. So you have better matchups in the playing games because you'll have – it'll generally be power, uh, teams from Power 5, Power 6 conferences in play-ins, but also with more auto bids automatically in the round of 64, you have a higher – like, then you have more chances that a UMBC beats a – like a Virginia or – or Duke losing the Florida Gulf Coast. The, yeah. that, then more of those scenarios will happen because hopefully in the future, COVID will be under wraps and we won't have a big layoff in between the end of uh, the conference championships and the start of March Madness. Because overall, we've pretty much had, it'll be just about a week layoff for a majority of teams that are entering the tournament barring those those conferences that ended uh, Saturday and Sunday of this past weekend. So I just think overall that'll, that's a thing to that the NCAA has got to fix, because I think adding in the, the playing games by expanding the, the field to 64 overall, a very good thing for college basketball, but we want more Cinderella stories and you get more Cinderella stories when you don't have, two of your Cinderella t- uh, potential teams losing and playing games. No? Yeah. yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. 100% I agree with you. Yeah, because I, like, I just think that's kind of scummy. Because, like, these kids like, and a lot of these playing teams are going to be 14 through 16 teams once you – if, like, you amend it the way I'm thinking of it. Because these are the, – these are – these are pretty much guys who met like if they play pro, they're gonna get a couple years in uh not great professional leagues over in Europe. So this is kind of this is what they're gonna tell their kids and grandkids about in in like 30, 40 years, whenever it may be. So like you like this is what these kids wake up dream and dream about when they're children. And you're basically like, yeah, they'll be fine with making the tournament, but like Playing game, I don't know. I don't. I, I just don't like it. I think it's a scumbag move, another scumbag move on the part of the NCAA. Also, mm-hmm. another thing to mention. So you saw, probably didn't see on Twitter, but Hunter Dickinson, the starting center from Michigan, he tweeted out a picture of the breakfast the NCAA gave them on Saturday. So, yeah, dude, sure bro, he's a starting center, seven feet tall. They gave him look like the powdered eggs that you add water into that you get at the dining hall in college and two strips of bacon for a dude who's seven feet tall and his feet hang off one of the, one of the dorm beds in college. Are you kidding me? It's ridiculous what they're doing to these kids. And like, like these kids, you know, they, they, they're away from their families and shit also on top of it. They're not getting the proper meals. They're not getting the proper rest and sleeping wise. Then they got to deal with school on top of it. Then they got to deal with the pressure of playing. Like, they're not treating these kids right at all. Also, another, another little thing to think about it, because I think we're winding down with our little uh, March Madness preview. But so basically, you could you could kind of think of this time when they've had to sit sit in their rooms, quarantine, get tested once entering uh, the bubble in Indianapolis. 
it's pretty much reminiscent of any team that's had a little COVID layoff during the season. So teams that have had that happen already are going to be more prepared for it because with this little layoff, they're literally sitting in their door, like in each of their individual hotel rooms, not practicing, maybe doing zoom scouting reports with their teams, but they're not on the court, not getting up shots, not practicing with their teams, keeping up, uh, keeping up their the flow with their teammates so it's it's going to be like i think we're going to see a lot of sloppy games in the both the play-ins and the round of 64 so i'm think like i'm thinking anyway no i don't think a lot like the tournament is not great for overs but especially in the first round i don't think so it's either going to be we're, we're going to see a lot of low scoring games or the defense is going to be dog shit yeah, it's gonna be and I'm leaning towards more low-scoring games. Yeah. You know what they also do with the kids? They're putting a fucking like an ankle monitor on, like they're on house arrest. They make sure they're six feet away from everybody, social distancing and everything like that. They're doing that also to the kids as they walk around and stuff. I mean, like I guess I I think I think the big reason why they're doing that because we kind of saw what happened with the NBA bubble when you had guys leaving the NBA bubble to either go get food, trying to sneak in people or whatever, just to make sure that stuff doesn't happen. Yeah, I guess. At least they're not putting chips in them. An ankle monitor is different. Yeah, that's true. It is true. It is very true. Right. You want to move on to a little bit of uh, NFL free agency? Yeah, let's talk about a little NFL free agency because it's been crazy. Yeah, so the only thing I've seen so far today was AJ Green to the Cardinals. Yeah, that offense is going to be scary because AJ Green, he's good, bro. AJ Green's going to be the third option on that. Team. Literally, going to be the third option. You got D Hop right there. You got Big Boy Larry, and then you got AJ Green also on top of it. It's going to be scary. Scary. And AJ got- Green's actually going to have someone to throw him the ball now. Exactly. He's going to put his name back on the map this year, which I enjoy, 100% enjoy. It's going to be exciting to watch them. And they got J.J. Watt on top of that also, which is going to defense is going to be a monster. I like Arizona a lot this year coming up in the NFL. But the Pats are the big winners so far this year, man. They're signing everybody left and right. <laughs> Belichick got jealous. Brady goes and wins a ring. He's signing everybody free agency wise. Everybody, everybody. They're reloading the whole team. New England. So who who they get? Run us down down the acquisitions. Well, they got Hunter Henry, who's probably one of the very good tight ends in the league. Um, they got. Hold on, let me pull it up. They got a lot of guys. They got one of the DBs from. Uh, uh, the Eagles, they got one of the – hold on. They got Judon, they got, uh, Judon, the linebacker. Yeah, they got him. Defensive end, Dietrich um, Weiss. Defensive tackle, Devon Godshaw. Godshaw, I don't know how you pronounce that. And then they loaded – bro, offense is going to be loaded. Hunter yeah. Henry, as you mentioned – Hunter Henry, they got Matthew Judah, the linebacker. They got Nelson Aguilar, wide receiver. They got Juna Smith, another tight end. Uh, they gave uh, Jalen Jalen Mills, that's the one from the Eagles. Uh, wide receiver Kendrick Bourne, uh, defensive tackle David 
Gotrick. Uh, defensive end, Dietrich Weiss Jr. They got a center, Ted Karst. DT Henry Anderson. And they re up Cam. And That's they'll, scary. Be, they'll be getting, and Edelman should be healthy. And Edelman, Edelman will be back because I don't think he played any more one game last year, if that, something like that. He played like four or something and then had like a little uh, minor surgery. But that'll, that'll allow, so. I think we're getting back to like the old Patriots way where it's where the offense is going to be hammering the tight ends heavily. And then you'll have Aguilar will probably be in the slot. Him, I don't know. I don't know. No, slot. Let's take Adam in the slot. They're going to put Aguilar on the right. And then they're going to hammer the tight ends. They're going to put Henry and the other kid that they signed this offseason at the tight end spot. And they're going to run down the middle, run slants, run in and outs. Up and down the middle, you got Aguilar, Aguilar on the outside to run the deep ball. And then you slot, you got Edelman, who's one of the best slot receivers, I think, of all time. So it's going to be uh, scary. And Cam, he just needs to wake up a little bit. He's going to actually have people to throw to, so which is that's going to help him on top of it also. Yeah, he's going to have targets. He's going to have targets now, and it definitely hurt not having training camp this past season to actually learn a whole new playbook and how. And this would, and it, I think. I think he'll he'll play a lot better this year because he'll have, as you said, more targets, and also this isn't the typical offense that Belichick's been working with. With no, Brady. definitely not. Definitely not. He, he has a more mobile quarterback now that can actually run the ball. On top of that, also different offense, different offense. So around the league, who else who else has made some uh, headway? I like. I like Arizona a lot. Um, who else I'm thinking of right now? Obviously, the Pats, we just talked about. Um, Jets made a couple good moves. They signed the wide receiver, uh, Corey Davis. That's a good move for them. And they signed somebody else, too, I think, the defensive end. Um, who else is there? Let me think. Giants extended um, uh, Williams. That's a big move for them. I like that. They, they gave them a huge amount of money, though. Yeah, three years. Like I think it was like sixty, seventy million, something like that. Jesus. And Christ. that that kicks in after this after this year because they franchise tags in for this year. So we technically got them for four years, and then they signed the running back from uh, the Raiders, which is nothing big. They haven't really made a big splash. Which um, running back, Jacobs? No, not Jacobs. Oh. Not Jacobs. I would love that if it was Jacobs. Are you kidding me? Um. Oh, Kansas City signed um uh uh I got uh that's tackle from uh uh who was it from? Oh my god! Oh, that was a big move. Yeah, it was a big move. Was, he's one of the best inside guys in the league on the offensive line. Oh my god! From Green Bay, I can't think of his name, but they signed him. That's a big move. Definitely a big move for them. Yeah, um, I'm pulling just, that up. Uh, Joe Thune. Yeah, Joe Thune. Yeah, him from Green Bay. That was a big move. Yeah, he got five years, 80 mil. Yeah. Big move. Big move. They originally wanted to do it for four years, but they had it five years because of cap space. So that's not a, that's not a bad thing. That's a good move for them. Uh, who 
else we got thinking about right now? Who made big moves? Mm. Oh, man. Who else we got? We got... Buffalo signed um, Sanders from New Orleans with a receiver. I think that was that's a nice little addition right there. Um, Kansas, uh, Kansas, New Orleans resigned James Winston, so that's gonna be a battle for the QB position because they gave Taysom Hill so much money, so much money. For, I think that was ridiculous. I don't know why they did that. Well, wasn't it like four years, like one hundred twenty or one hundred sixty? I I think it's five. I think it was five years, one hundred forty. Like the guy has played maybe started maybe five or six games in his career, and you give him one hundred forty million dollars. Like, let me know. I think they should run like two quarterbacks. Like Taysom Hill, they're probably going to do. They're probably going to start Hill and then bring in Jameis, which is that's going to be absolutely crazy. Honestly, that's going to be really interesting. Yeah. Sean Payton's going to be uh, drooling with googly eyes at what he could do with those two now that Breeze is out of the picture. That's a fact. Oh, my goodness. Uh, oh, the, sh- the Bears signed Andy Dalton. What no, did they do? So, so they're getting rid of Trubisky, I guess? Well, Trubisky is a free agent. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, like not re-signing him. I'm sorry, I want the Giants to get Kenny Holiday. That's going to be the big move that happens. I think the old rumors are saying that he's going to go to the Giants. That'd be a big move for the Giants. Yeah, they definitely need that. That'd be a big move. Um, that's basically it, honestly. It's been all the moves here and there, whatever. Um, I mean, I still got a couple defensive backs. Oh, yeah, no. they, they signed Trent Williams to, like, a ridiculous deal. Yeah, something crazy. But uh, I, th- what do you think? Do you think the Bucs are still the, the favorites? Because they re-signed basically all their, all their yeah, guys. Uh, well, yeah, that's not the Bucs. They basically just re-signed everybody, honestly. Besides yeah. Fournette, that's the only one that they did not re-sign. Because they re-upped Gronk, they gave Barrett money, and they gave um... – I'm pretty sure they re-signed Fournette. No, they didn't. Not yet. They didn't re-sign him yet. Yeah, but they franchised Ted Godwin, brought back Antonio Brown, re-signed Ndamukong Sue. But I'm pretty sure Leonard Fournette's going to stay. Probably not. I don't think they got any more room. They restructured Brady's contract, too. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, do I think they're the favorites still? Yeah, probably, honestly. Um, maybe Kansas Yeah, them in Kansas City are getting the favorites, probably, coming into the season. I don't see why not. It wouldn't be. <laughs> Like none of the other teams that went deep in the postseason really made big splashes. Green Bay hasn't done anything. They lost people more than they got, they did anything. That's a big loss on the offensive line. Rodgers must be flipping his shit right now. Him and it's just him and Adams on the team. <laughs> they lost. Much. They lost. They lost. They lost the guy to Kansas City. They lost that running back. What's his face? Uh, Williams. They lost him. So I don't know what they're doing. They have no other wide receivers besides Adams. 
They lost their second best offensive lineman besides Bakieri, and they lost their starting running back. So I don't know. It's gonna be very interesting. Very interesting. Pittsburgh also is doing a bunch of dumb stuff. They're gonna lose Juju. They already lost Dupree. They're probably their second best defensive player beside behind Watt. So I don't know. It's gonna be uh it's gonna be interesting the next couple of days until the train deadline's over. Yeah, apparently Philly's looking to trade Zach Ertz. That's not a man, he's washed up. He's washed up. Raiders signed John Brown, fast man in the combine. Yeah. Just like just little headline grabbers. Mm-hmm. The Bears made a very aggressive move for Russell. They offered three first rounders, a second rounder, and two starters for him. I mean, that would be that would make them better, but like it depends on who they're giving up because that's a lot of picks. And trading away everybody basically. <laughs> you're giving up three first rounders, a second rounder. That's your future right there. And then you're giving up two starters. They probably would have thrown in probably like Uh, two defensive guys, honestly. Yeah, and then Russell Wilson Wilson would not have been happy in uh, in Chicago. Their their coach is a horrible play caller on offense. Oh yeah, no, he's awful. And I think I'm is it wasn't their offensive line terrible too this past season? Yeah. So that that wouldn't update his uh, his griefs with exactly. Bucks. He should he should just he should just stay in Seattle and keep your mouth shut. That's what he should do. Stay in Seattle and don't say anything. Bro, are you kidding? Bro, they they didn't protect him. Like, as a quarterback. No, they did not protect him, so they have to do what they do. Is you got to build a line. You have a hundreds of million dollar contract. You're winning games. You're making the playoffs every year. And you want to – You want your quarterback. You don't have a no trade clause on top of it. So, you shouldn't be doing that. At all. You mentioned before we hopped on, there was something else you want to talk about. Was there not? No, nothing else. All right, so that's it. Uh, thanks for listening after a little hiatus. And this will be coming out uh, later later tonight. So Wednesday in time for uh, tomorrow. That's all, folks. Peace out.